This is Asked and Answered. Questions. With Tom Opferman and Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola. OTAs are finally here, Labs. Were you out there yesterday mixing it up with the guys in the south side, getting out on the field, maybe throwing a couple passes with Pickett and Trubisky yourself? No, I took some reps with the O-linemen. Uh, I mean, you know, right. I, Teaching them how to pool and uh, stuff like that? Yeah, right. I, you know me. I'm such... <laughs> I'm such a physical guy. Uh, hey, listen, I just want to know, I want want you to know, excuse me, that my goal, our goal for this podcast is to start off with a quarterback question every week. Okay? Well, so, well let's not waste any more time then. <laughs> okay. Might get difficult, <laughs> but that's my goal. Well, Go. let's get to Dana Fisher from Rockport, Maine, who asks, I'm a fan of a true quarterback battle for the starting position. There it is. One for one so far. Do you foresee the Steelers dressing three quarterbacks? If Kenny Pickett isn't starting and they only dress two, it seems as though he'd be odd man out. I can't imagine that either Mason Rudolph or Mitch Trubisky would be okay with not getting a helmet on game day. (laughs) Uh, Dana, let me just uh, explain one thing to you. Um, whether anyone's okay or not with not getting a helmet on game day really has uh, no relevance whatsoever. The only person who matters in that equation is Mike Tomlin. So let, we'll just start with that. Um, but, you know, the, the true quarterback competition, uh, in my mind, and, you know, as we sit here now, early still in the, in the process, uh, it, it, it's, it's going to be heating up and really at its height, training camp, and then the preseason, okay? So um, there's no chance the Steelers will dress three quarterbacks in the regular season. I mean, they need that spot, you know, for special teams, you know, various other things. It's not to be used, you know, as a development, let's see what he can do, or, you know, let's stand him on the sideline, whoever it is. And I'm not just assuming it's going to be the rookie. Uh, let's stand him on the sideline so he can absorb, you know, the experience. I mean, because if he's inactive, he can be on the sideline. He can be wired in, to, you know, the helmet, the, the coordinator talking, you know, to the whoever the starter is. I mean, he can listen to all that stuff. So he, he can be a part of the game day experience, um, you know. But, again, I, I cannot imagine uh, the Steelers dressing three quarterbacks and a regular season game. They have three preseason games, August the 13th, and, uh, or excuse me, uh, against Seattle on August the 13th, in Jacksonville on August the 20th, and against Detroit on August the 28th. After those three games are over, I, I believe the competition will be over as well. And, um, you know, we'll just have to see then, um, you know, who the winner of the competition is. And then I, I would think that whoever comes in second in the competition will be the backup during the regular season. So you're telling me that Mike Tomlin doesn't take feelings into account at all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my that's, gosh. That's, exa- that's what, exactly what I'm telling What a shocking revelation that is. <laughs> <laughs> Burton Harris from Greensburg, Pennsylvania asks, I would like to know if the GM is the boss of the coach. If he is, how can Mike Tomlin be in the room or have a say on who the new GM would be? Because to me, it seems like you are picking your own boss. Uh, Well, uh, Burton, I can tell you this. uh, The GM is not the boss of the coach. Um, The general, whoever the general manager is uh, and will be, is not going to be the boss of the coach. 
because the coach is not the boss of the GM. Uh, there is one boss. I mean, the Steelers <laughs> organizational chart, as I've mentioned previously uh, on these podcasts, is a pyramid. Pyramids come to a point at the top. And at the top of the Steelers pyramid is Art Rooney II. So I hope that clears everything up. I think in a weird way, he's our boss, too. I think he's at the top of us on oh, the yeah. pyramid. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, <laughs> if he didn't want me doing this anymore or you doing this anymore, it's over. we wouldn't be doing it anymore. Right. Uh, Jason Norton from Johnstown, Pennsylvania. It's funny how people are saying that Kenny Pickett is going to be voted offensive rookie of the year. He hasn't even won the starting quarterback job yet. Even Ben Roethlisberger started his rookie season as a number three quarterback. My memory is a bit foggy on how all those dominoes fell into place for him to start. Can you remind me? Okay. Uh, when training camp opened in 2004, the Steelers brought four quarterbacks to training camp at St. Vincent College. The depth chart was arranged this way. Tommy Maddox, Charlie Batch, Ben Roethlisberger, and Brian St. Pierre. Oh, how about wow. that for a trivia question? Okay, what so then not very, long, <laughs> not very long into that training camp, Batch sustained a knee injury that uh, would land him on injured reserve before the start of the season. And so Roethlisberger moved up one spot to number two pretty early in the process which is significant because as the number two quarterback at training camp, uh, you get more reps in practice, not only that, but you also get more reps with better players because if you're two, then you go in when they call the second team offense in, then you go in. So as opposed to being three, that's, you know, a number three offense and you're, you're working down the depth chart at all of the other positions as well. So um, the regular season opens and, you know, Maddox is the starter and Ben's the backup as because that's the way the preseason ended. Um, the Steelers win the opener 24-21 over the Raiders at Heinz Field. And the offense was, you know, mediocre. I mean, the most interesting thing about the offense in that opening uh, win against the Raiders was that this stat line from Jerome Bettis, which is amazing. Five carries, one yard, three touchdowns. <laughs> So how's that even possible? The three, tu- <laughs> the three touchdowns were one yard apiece, so that's three yards. And on the <laughs> other two carries, he lost yardage. Um, Maddox, for you know, he was mediocre. Thirteen to twenty-two, hundred and forty-two yards, no touchdowns, no interception. Excuse me, no interceptions. So then the next week, Maddox was injured in Baltimore. Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger took over since he was in uniform as the backup, and St. Pierre was inactive. And that started the second most successful era in Steelers history. And the rest is history, as they say. Peter Hoyt from Adams, Massachusetts. Recently, I was watching some older Steelers games and saw Ben Roethlisberger punt in an attempt to pin the opposing team deep in its own territory. Do you know Ben's career punting stats? I also noticed that he punted with his left leg. Do you know if he is naturally ambidextrous, or did he just punt with his left so he wouldn't kick the ball too far and into the end zone? Uh, okay, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna tell you first what I what I know. Uh, Roethlisberger's career punting stats in the NFL: six punts, 188 yards, 31.9 yard average. Now, everything I could find uh, that I could view, he punted with his left foot. Now, whether he he punted right footed or kicked right footed, except for when he punted, I have no idea. I can't answer that. And I can honestly tell you, I never even thought to ask him that. 
uh, during his 19-year career. So, uh, Peter, I'm sorry I can't answer that. And I don't know, you know, if he just punted with his left foot in, in NFL games or he was just, you know, he kicks left-footed. I mean, that's possible because me, for example, I write with my right hand and throw with my left, but that doesn't make me ambidextrous. Ambidextrous is you can throw with either hand. That's or you know, so um, that's all I I know. But I, I do would ima- I would imagine that based on his thirty one point nine yard average, that indicates that, that not all of them were pooch punts. So I would imagine that he was a left footed punter and a right handed thrower. That's got to be one of my favorite questions we've gotten so far doing this podcast. Just the fact that Peter's sitting there in Adams, Massachusetts, thinking. I want to know what Ben's punting stats were in his career. <laughs> Edward Bauman from Landisville, New Jersey. Don't you think the Steelers opening eight straight seasons on the road is a little much? It is always good to win the first game of the season, and the Steelers have a better chance at home. I've been a Steelers fan since 1945. Okay, I've explained this in the past, um, and some fans just choose not to believe me, but uh, it is true. Uh, the fact that the Steelers have opened on the road uh, for eight straight years is strictly a result of Major League Baseball creating a schedule that calls for the Pirates to be at home on the weekend following Labor Day, which is the traditional opening weekend in the NFL regular season. Um, and the reason that the, the teams don't have events uh, on the same day is because they share par- parking lots. Right. And staging two games on the same day puts too much stress on the ingress and egress, and would ultimately create an unpleasant experience for the, for the fans um, attending either game. And, I mean, I'm sure there would be some fans who might want to attend both. And based on the, the parking situation, say you, um, if the, let's pretend, the Steelers had a 1 o'clock kickoff and the Pirates had a 4 o'clock start. Well, if you come to the Steelers game first and you park in a lot and then you want to go over to PNC Park for baseball, You'd have to repark your car. I mean, just a mat, and then the fan. There's fans leaving, right. try, fans trying to move from one parking lot to another. I mean, it's it's just it's it's not a it, it's not a realistic scenario, um, and certainly not one that I don't think either team or the city, you know, really wants to uh, have to deal with. And so, um, you know, my personal opinion, and this is me personally speaking, you know, uh, I would think that. You know, the Pirates would be somewhat incentivized to be a good neighbor and work out some arrangement with Major League Baseball to consider this when the schedule is being formulated because base, baseball schedule comes out more than six months before the right. base start of the baseball season and almost a full year, um, you know, before the NFL releases its schedule. Um, but, you know, that hasn't happened lately, obviously. Maybe the Pirates can be a good neighbor by uh, having all 10 of the fans that are going to their game park in some private garage for that one specific day, you know, just to avoid the problems. They could probably fit them in their own private garage. Not or, you know, baseball baseball, or the Pirates could say, hey, can we, you know, can we be on the road this weekend? Or the Pirates I mean, could just know, disband as a team. You know, I don't really care either. Well, way. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of already are disbanding as a team. <laughs> John Sobolki from Carnegie, Pennsylvania. Supposedly, the Steelers open on the road each year because of PNC Park and potential parking problems if the Pirates have a game that day. Why then? Another skeptic. Another skeptic. (laughs) Why then do the Bengals, who likewise have an adjacent stadium to the Reds' Great American Ballpark, get to host us in week one? 
uh, duh, the Reds were on the road on Sunday, September 11th. Wow, how'd you figure I mean, that one out? <laughs> Uh, I looked it. I looked it up on the Google machine. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's it. That's it's, that, it, it's right. that simple. The Reds are on the road, and that's why the Bengals can be at home. Mike Matthews from West Jefferson, Ohio. I believe GM Kevin Colbert's 2022 draft was a success, but the one area that was not addressed was outside linebacker depth. T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith are a great starting tandem, but the depth behind them is a major concern. Jannard Avery was recently signed. But do you see any other current free agent as a possibility? Could the answer be inside linebacker Miles Jack taking a few snaps at outside linebacker? Okay, let's let's leave let's leave Miles Jack where he is. I think. Nope, we got to move um, him. We got to move him all around, he, man. He's gonna he's <laughs> gonna be uh, a somewhat um, important ingredient to the run defense, and so uh, I'm leaving him where he is next to Devin Bush on the inside. I've mentioned this guy previously. I'm gonna keep mentioning him. Uh, Tyree Johnson, uh, he's an undrafted rookie from Texas A&M, 240 pounds, played stand-up D-end at Texas A&M in the SEC, and, um, you know, the Steelers have had success with those kinds of guys in college transferring, you know, to the NFL, because, you know, 240 pounds is a nice size for a 3-4 outside linebacker, and Tyree Johnson, last his last college season, he had 31 tackles, nine tackles for loss, eight and a half sacks, a forced fumble, and a fumble recovery. And his final three seasons at College Station, he had 16 and a half sacks. So the way I'm looking at it is uh, Johnson and Derek Tuska, who um, the Steelers got off the, I believe, the Broncos practice squad, they become serviceable rotational players who can occasionally spell T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. I'm not moving anybody. Brando, Brando, Brando Silva from Merced, California. I recall Presley Harvin, while at Georgia Tech, was used in trick plays where he displayed a strong and accurate arm, but the Steelers have made no effort in maximizing his skills thus far. When Ken Wisenhunt was the offensive coordinator, he was known for trick plays that landed the Steelers in Super Bowl XL. He maximized talents from Heinz Ward and Antoine Randwell, which led to much success. I was wondering if this might be in the cards with a new mobile quarterback and a new list of young talent. Okay. Uh, perspective is the key word here. Um, Presley Harvin III left Georgia Tech having completed one of three passes for 41 <laughs> yards. So He's the best. I don't, I don't consider that a sufficient sample size uh, to characterize him as someone with a, quote, strong and accurate <laughs> arm. Um, you know, I think that, and I, I've seen video of that. It came against uh, the U, Miami. Uh, it was 41-yard pass down the sideline. Uh, it looked to me like it was more an example of uh, Georgia Tech catching the Hurricanes off guard with a trick play, and it worked, which, hey, good for them. And, you know, I'm not saying Presley Harvin can never execute those things, but, you know, comparing him in the gadget play department to either Heinz Ward or Antoine Randall is ridiculous <laughs> because Heinz Ward actually started at quarterback often while he was in college at Georgia. Decent school. And Randall was a full-time quarterback at Indiana throughout his college career. So, you know, um, the, 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 this whole comparison, you know, is kind of on the absurd side to me. And um, I also think, you know, Presley Harvin – 
needs to worry about becoming a more consistent and effective NFL punter right now uh, than trying to distract him with uh, executing gadget plays on a regular basis. I don't know, Labs. When you display such a strong and accurate arm, he might need to jump into the quarterback battle, to be honest with you. Maybe there's a four-way. Maybe that. There. Maybe we'll lead off next week's podcast with a question <laughs> about Presley Harvin taking some reps at quarterback. <laughs> Carlos Arvizu from Mexico City, Mexico, has a doozy of a question. Recently, Antonio Brown expressed a desire to retire as a member of the Steelers. If I remember correctly, the organization doesn't hand out one-day contracts for such purposes. But do you think they would at least let him hold a press conference within the facilities? Uh, Carlos is accurate. The Steelers doesn't. The Steelers don't uh, hand out one-day contracts for these kinds of purposes. Would they let, let him hold a press conference within the facilities? I hope not. I hope. <laughs> Did you see he was going to have a concert in the South Side, but then he canceled it because he wasn't going to show up? <laughs> they removed, Who knows? They Maybe they'll June. let him have a press conference and he won't show up for that either. I wouldn't you doubt know, it. I wouldn't doubt it. All right. Final question today comes from Chris Hand Sr. from Sarasota, Florida. Antonio Brown says he wants to rejoin the Steelers for the purpose of retiring as a member of the franchise. I am against this based on his erratic behavior on and off the field. How do you feel about Brown rejoining the Steelers so he can retire as a member of the Steelers? Um, this is one of those no profanity podcasts, right? Yes, please uh, be okay. careful. Okay, I, I will. I was just kidding anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, Antonio Brown's right to make such a request, in my opinion, evaporated when he quit on the Steelers at the end of the 2018 season, the regular season finale, when that the team needed a win in the uh in that game to have a chance to make the playoffs. I mean, he didn't show up for practice all week. Um, and then the decision was made based on that. And they, and they also set up an MRI for him to get his knee checked out, which was allegedly the reason that he couldn't attend practice. That's right. And he blew that off too. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think Antonio Brown has any real standing to be asking for, you know, favors <laughs> at this point. And, um, so I, I think that ship has sailed. The Steelers got some good, very good years from him. Um, but uh, to me, the cord has been irrevocably cut. I wonder what the record is for the amount of NFL teams a player has quit on, because he's got to be closing in on that. I mean, Bucks, Raiders, Steelers, uh, the list goes on and on. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple more teams that get added on to that that he quits on before he's all said You know, what's done. really amazing to me, and probably a testament to his talent, is that he gets chances. Um, yeah, he, he's had more. He's he's quit on it. He's quit on a team more than once. Yeah. Usually <laughs> once. Is, that's it. That's that's the uh, maximum number allowable uh, in the NFL under uh, under typical circumstances. Well, it's time for us to quit on this podcast just for this week, though. We'll definitely be back again next week. Thanks, as always, for giving us a listen and sending in your questions. If you want questions answered on next week's episode, get them into labs now, and hopefully you will hear your name read aloud. Uh, for Bob Labriola, I'm Tom Opperman. Thanks, as always, and this has been Asked and Answered.